Howdy, friends, and welcome to the Old Hat Podcast. This is your host, James Chambliss, Old Hat, and I'm glad you're here. This is episode 47, and uh, just wanted to say thank you to Amber for telling me that the episode number really, really matters. <laughs> so I appreciated having that confirmation. Uh, and Paisley, I remember that you want a story about alligators, and I'm working on it. It's just I've been up to my elbows in alligators, it seems like, this week, so I haven't had time to do that, but I will. And thank you to Heather and Savannah for the nice comments about my last podcast with Ginger Bell. And she appreciated them so much that she came back. I did. Well, actually, it's because it's so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> and I just want to go on record as saying I did offer you coffee today. Absolutely. First thing he said as I walked in the door. Would you like some coffee? Yeah. Well, that's that's uh, because Lisa wouldn't let me come outside and yell it before you got out of the car. <laughs> well, I actually drank a cup and a half at home, just in case you didn't offer any when I got here. <laughs> cup and a half is just a good start. That's all that is. Now, my friend Amber has a coffee room at her house, and wow. I feel like I should have a coffee room. Yeah. But yeah. then my bride said, you know, every room you're in is it's a coffee, coffee room. room. <laughs> Coffee. It's good. It's my favorite thing. This uh, this podcast is almost completely powered by coffee. So if you're in um, if you're in the Forney area, I have some friends that own a coffee shop there. Of course, you know somebody likes coffee as much as I do. Ought to have friends that own coffee yes. shops, right? But <laughs> go by Kingdom Growers. I never make it by there on my trips to and from, but they're there. So I'm going to someday. Surprising. Yeah, that's it. It will be surprising. Yes. <laughs> Hopefully they're listening. I bet they are. So last week on the podcast, Ginger, we talked about safe spaces. You know, you talked about your office being a safe space. You talked about your parents' house being a safe space. And I wanted to talk some more about that because I just love that concept. I mean, we hear it in the news, you know, college campuses, they declare safe spaces or free speech zones or whatever. And and that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is where do you go to feel safe and and what is a safe space and what do you do with it? There's just some ideals that I wanted to, to ask you about. Where I grew up was a good place, but I wouldn't say it was a safe place. Right. You know, that wasn't my comfort. My comfort level as a boy was up a tree with a sack of crackers. <laughs> that was my safe, happy place, right? Saltine? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. My mom always <laughs> my mom always bought two boxes of saltines and put one away where I couldn't find them because she knew I was going <laughs> to steal all the others and eat them. And comfort. I did. Your comfort. <laughs> yes, that's right. It's still pretty much that way. I've added coffee to the mix. But that's Those are my two favorite things. So. But what was it about your mom and dad's house that made it such a safe place? Well, you know, I visited with one of my adopted sisters who um, mother and daddy's place was a safe place for her. And so I asked her, I said, why did you go there on a regular basis from the time she was very little. And one of the things, in fact, I think the first thing she said was they were always welcoming. They never judged me. And also the snacks. Oh, yeah. (laughs) The snacks. Because they, mother would go buy jelly bellies, mother and daddy both, to have on hand for when Carrie came and then later when her daughter came. And and in the pantry, there were always good things, and so. Well, that's that's always a draw, but that's just that's an uh, that's an excuse. That's a reason <laughs> to come over. My our friend Tamara, who yes. teaches school, uh, when I'm over in her classroom, the one day a year I get to go spend the day with her, and and in her classroom there, um, there's food 
and yes. there's water bottles and yes. kids it unless the door is locked and no one's in it there will be kids coming back and it's a safe place there's a comfortable couch there's crackers there's water and she just makes those kids feel welcome you can come by anytime you don't have to have a reason you don't and i hear from some of the kids that say i finally got to go see her and we actually had a chance to talk instead of just a hello and 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 it it's their safe place it's a safe place because, and this is something else that my friend told me about, that they never made her feel like they were too busy. When she came over, they were there. They were there for her. Okay, see, that your mom did that for me. Mm. Your mom did that for me. I, you know, I'd, I'd go visit her uh, in, the, in the nursing home where she was. Right. And you would be there, and Gayla would be there, and Troy would be there. And she would send y'all all run in to fetch things and fix things. And I'd go, I'm going to help Troy. She said, no, no, you're going to sit right here and, and tell me about those boys. And, and y'all were busy. And she kept y'all hopping. And I'm, but I was just there to talk to her. And I felt like the most important person in the building. You know, my friend Julie did the same thing. And she said, and she'd give me good advice. She'd give me good advice. So having a safe place to go to where you can trust the advice you're given, mm, yeah, that's pretty important. Um, and one thing that Carrie said, too, was if you're a safe place, you can't stick so stringently to your plans for mm. the day and mm-hmm. your things you want to, because you have to be available when they come in. Yeah. You can't say, oh, wait, just a minute. I need to do this and then we'll talk. For years, I have kept a, a post-it note next to my phone upstairs in the office that says, people are never an interruption. Right. That, that's why you're here. Jesus didn't come to die for your calendar or your cows. <laughs> or your, He came for people, so they must be the most important thing. God so loved the world, all those people, so they can't be an interruption. That's so hard. It is hard mm-hmm. just to put the people first because we're so busy. It's especially hard for yeah people that are organized and busy. <laughs> That's not a problem for me. <laughs> the organized part. <laughs> not so much. So you took all of that, that your parents, uh, I mean, you learned it, whether you appreciated it when you were young or not, you learned it because you, you did that for your office. I mean, everywhere you've ever been, every time I've ever come to see you at work, it was a safe place. Most people, when they, when they decorate their office, it, it's what they want. It's, I've got my favorite picture on the wall behind me. I've got my favorite books here. I've got paintings. I did. I've got my hat. You know, that's how most people do their office. But yours was always geared towards drawing other people in. Like we talked about the sand. It invites you into that space because I doubt that you spent all day in that office when nobody was there raking sand. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I'm not sure I raked it very often at all. It wasn't even close to me. It was close to all of them. I would forget to do that for myself. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, okay, so there's an indictment there, right? You you should do things for yourself. It should be a safe space for you too, but but we'll, we'll come back to that. Okay. <laughs> but I will warn you, I'm going to put you on the spot instead of just putting you on the spot. But, but how do you create a space that's safe like that for others? One thing a few people have mentioned to me is not being critical when you're listening um, in that initial conversation, yeah. you're not judging, you're listening. And as a mature adult, thoughtful person, you can discern what it is they're really saying, but you have to allow them to just say it without, oh, 
no you know without judgment right that's the key without judgment right i call them manipulatives we learned with our kids when they were very young that counting worked better if they had blocks you know my grandchildren learned to count by counting the pins in my pocket because i always have two <laughs> or they, they could be, count cowboy they, hats they go one two and they could do that you know from before they knew what one and two were they knew my pins were named one and two i guess yeah, cowboy hats, that's true. <laughs> you could count them. They're a lot more fun just to play with. Oh, uh, that's true. <laughs> I always kept, I've got a big rocking chair, and I keep a, a, my felt hats on either side when they were little, because you can fix a felt hat. You can't, <laughs> you can't fix a broken straw, but you can fix a broken felt. And so I'd keep my expensive felt hats out there, and they would grab them when they were, you know, three, two or three, and put them on to like little mushrooms oh. running through the house. <laughs> I just got such a great mental picture. Uh, We could have a whole podcast about how much I enjoy my grandchildren, obviously. (laughs) And, you know, we've created a a safe space for them here. And really, anywhere that me and their grandmommy are is a safe place for them. But we have a room in this house called the Awesome Room because that's what they call it. And it's got all their stuff in it, and it's got a piano in it, and it's got a TV in it. It's got a couch in it. It's got, it's awesome. And they love going in the awesome room. They'll learn things in the awesome room. Anything you want to teach them in the awesome room will be awesome. It might be work anywhere else, but it's awesome in the awesome room. That's their safe space. Yeah. I had a friend years ago say, all right, the last 30 minutes of the day, you can say anything. At bedtime, this is part of their ritual. I don't know if it's 15 or 20 minutes. And, and you can say absolutely anything you want and, and no judgment. And I won't remember it if you don't want me to. And But you can tell me anything you're worried about or anything you want or anything. There is now no condemnation. You know, it was that kind of, and I'm like, okay, boy, I don't have that kind of courage. I don't think. I was just going to say what a brave person, because for me, I would just run all of that stuff through my head as I'm supposed to be sleeping. I'd be Mm -hmm. concerned and trying Mm -hmm. to fix it and I wouldn't get any sleep. Yeah. And I'd love to have a follow-up, you know, 20 years later. Right. And just have that work, you know, have that come out. But it was a. A great time of honesty, True. they felt like, with their kids. You know, that you, you're mad about that? Okay, fair enough. Well, and that's another thing uh, that Carrie mentioned to me was the honesty. Yeah. Be honest. If you're honest, then they will be more likely to be honest, right. too. Right. I agree with that. So you did a great job of, of, of creating a safe space. And we talked about having a safe space in the house. I mean, it'd be neat to have this. Like my friend Amber has a coffee room. You know, mm-hmm. what if we went in the coffee room and we can talk there and and there'd be no repercussions? That would be interesting. I'm that not, would be great. You know, and now Amber's kids are going to go, okay, mom, to the coffee room. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> but where's your safe space? <laughs> what a great question. I've learned what a great question always means. I don't know how to answer that or I don't want to answer that. <laughs> or let me think about that. Or... Let me wipe this tear out of my eye that you just brought. Um, I did tell you I was going to put you on the spot. (laughs) I know, and I should have known it would involve tears. Um, You know, that's my primary spiritual gift is making people I love cry. That's true. I don't know why. But nobody wants to see cowboys. Oh, cowboys cry, so you don't. (laughs) Let me get back to you Okay, I'll do that. I know you like your porch a lot. I love my porch. (laughs) I do. I think a lot. When I'm out on the the porch. porch. Well, it's a beautiful place. Watch the birds because my sister (laughs) makes sure the feeders are all full when she's here. My birds would like her to come over (laughs) because my birds constantly remind me. I keep the hummingbird feeders full because I convince they will hurt me. 
Yes, they will. They stab are, you with yes, their steely knives. Nobody, <laughs> nobody has yet, but I really get the impression that they would do me harm. The cardinals are like, look, if you get a chance. Yeah. <laughs> but the hummingbirds are kind of insistent. So That's funny. The other morning, a hummingbird flew up. You know, they're beginning their migration. Flew up on the porch right in front of Gala's face and just stood there. Not what, no, <laughs> right. hung there. Hung there. And as if to say, thanks for taking good care of me. I'll see you next year. It was just beautiful. It's about time for them to leave. They are. It, so. They are leaving. We yeah. still have a couple here. So when It's funny because when they fly up to Lisa, they're just color everywhere. Greens and reds. And when they fly up to me, they're very drab. <laughs> and we finally, we looked it up to see why. Yeah. Well, when That's... their colors are all out, they're, they're courting uh-huh. <laughs> or warning you off their food. And, and when uh, they're really drab, it's because they... They're hiding from you because you're kind of a threat. So apparently, I'm threatening. I don't know. Even to hummingbirds. We'll have to do a survey someday and find out how many people think you're threatening, James. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think there are many. (laughs) Well, I'll have to tell the burn barrel man story someday. Uh Uh-oh. Okay. uh, We'll wait for that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I may have told it before, so I won't tell it again just in case. I. So you, you did a great job of creating a safe space in your office. And obviously... The purpose of it was for listening. Absolutely. You know, it was all designed about making children primarily, but also teachers and parents comfortable so they would talk. I mean, you were great at at creating a a listening place. Uh, But I was fascinated by something you said last week about about the sand, that it gave kids something to do until they felt like making eye contact. Absolutely. Okay. I didn't grow up that way. I didn't grow up with the, and when you feel comfortable, you can look at me. I grew up with, look at me, you know. <laughs> with and, a finger usually yeah. in your face. <laughs> little eye contact, please. You know, I'm, I'm over here. And, and so I did right. the same thing because that's what I grew up with. It's so hard to do things different than how you grew up, whether you liked it that way or not. That's why you're so good probably at creating a safe space because you grew up with that safe space. And so it it is just part of who you are. But I would love to know more about and I'm sure there are other parents that would like to know more about what to watch for. in Because I was just fascinated by the idea that if they have something to do with their hands, then they can look at that until they're ready to look at you. That's the safe part. Knowing that they can speak when they're ready and they can talk about what they need to talk about. They're maybe not even aware of when they feel safe. And so listening is about paying attention to what they're saying. So the eye contact is just kind of a tell. I mean, it's just you realize that at that point ready. you've connected and that, that they're ready. What other signs do you look for? I mean, if, you know, if somebody's listening and they want to talk to their kid and they've, you know, all right, I heard Ginger and James talk about safe places. So I've made a safe place and here's something for them to do with their hands. And I know when they look at me that, you know, we're starting to connect. It's, you know, they're ready to, to talk. What else do you look for? One thing um, that's, <laughs> well, I can say it now, I'm not employed at that place anymore, but <laughs> <laughs> you kind of have to throw out that politically correct verbiage. You have to be able to say what you're thinking okay. without worrying what the impression's going to be, oh, no, she's biased, or oh, right. no, she thinks bad things, or you have to be open and honest. Yeah. And when you're that way, then kids are like, oh, wow, she said that. Mm-hmm. 
So maybe it's okay if I say this. Mm -hmm. And so it, it, oh, it's just honesty. Well, that's a way of releasing potential judgment, you know, because people of every age, you don't have to be a kid. Adults think this too, kids, in case you were wondering. You worry what other people are thinking about you, that they've already decided something about you and you worry about what you might say because they already think something bad. You don't know what they think. No. You, you don't have a clue. And in fact, what they think is technically none of your business. <laughs> <laughs> Their private thoughts really aren't your public concern. And so, <laughs> but, and you know, I like the way, um, what was the guy's name that said it? He said, everybody listens to the same radio station. Zig Ziglar, that's who it was. I can hear it in his voice. Everybody listens to the same radio station, W-I-I-F-M, and that stands for What's In It For Me. Oh. And that's what most people, they're not thinking about you. They're thinking about them. And, and how whatever <clears throat> relates to them. And that's why it's so important when you find a safe place and a safe person to talk to that you can be open with them. One thing, um, you need to be, I hate that expression, but you need to be able to read the body language. Are they open to you? Okay, they may be talking, but they're still kind of closed in. Got their arms crossed, yes. slouched down, mm -hmm. looking at the floor. And You know, that's the interesting thing about the sand is they're engaged. Right. They're here. You know, they're, they're interacting with something here and now. In this place. And, and that's what's so important to young people, especially it's this current second. Not down the road. Right. Not down, it's what's going on right now. So that's that's an important thing. I hadn't really even thought about that. But it's also important that your body language mm -hmm. expresses to them, I am who I am. I just right. have always been the middle child. I don't care if I make you angry. I don't <laughs> care if you don't like me, which is a bunch of bull. I was going to say, that happens to not be true. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but it is it is kind of the uh, as the middle child. It's what you have to put forward, isn't it? You know, you kind of have to. You have to be self sufficient. That's you have, right. Because you're not the first brilliant, and you're not the baby. <laughs> Enough. I am seeing a counselor for okay. that. <laughs> <laughs> but the the thing with the uh, body language and the eye contact, it seems to be especially hard right now because we all are getting that hump and our Quasimodo hump from looking down at our, our phones. phones yeah. And so making eye contact is, it's not something we're all that comfortable with, but it is crucial because yeah. it shows y'all when James and I are talking here, we're looking eye to eye. We're communicating and listening to each other and it's, we're looking at each other mm -hmm. and it's not bad. No, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I've generally combed my hair and put on lipstick you like my lovely. mother told me. Your, your new haircut is wonderful. Thank love you. It. Thank you. So I feel so much better. Um, and then acknowledging what they're saying. Right. And by that, I mean, just like you just did, right. Or mm -hmm. showing them that you're hearing what they're saying will encourage them to say even more. Yeah. You're important enough to be listened to. Yeah. Makes you more liable to say something important, doesn't it? One, uh, one thing that Troy did so well, he, he taught me how just acknowledging people's existence is important. Mm -hmm. And we'd be somewhere and he'd say, okay, I'm acknowledging your existence. You do matter. Mm -hmm. And he's saying this to me about right. somebody else. Right. He challenged me. Well, sure. He challenged me. <laughs> Come on, James. James, don't be such a baby. <laughs> That sounds don't, so don't be such a big baby. <laughs> that's 
sounds so funny to me because I never thought of him as having the kind of confidence to say that. And oh, especially, well, he'd say anything to you. I though. was a safe place. <laughs> you know, the fact that he'd say anything to me may be why they wouldn't let us call football games together. Too. I still think they messed up uh, on that. It would have been memorable. <laughs> it would have sure been memorable. Oh, I laugh thinking, oh, what would have come out of their mouths? Well, you know, he could do anything. Yeah. And, yeah. and he thought I could because he could. Well, and he's like, so fix it. I'm like, I don't know how to fix it. He goes, I'm going to tell you how to fix it. This is how you fix it. I, go, I don't think I can do that. Don't be such a baby. Come on, James. And the thing about it is he may have said he could fix it and he really thought he could fix it, <laughs> but he might not have been oh, able to. <laughs> oh, the truth comes out. All I've, right. I've been a question asker since I was born. Uh-huh, you know, do yes. camels give us camelope and those sorts of things? And so, if, yeah. where does baby oil come from? If olive oil comes ew. from crushing olives, where does baby oil come from? <laughs> oh, James. Oh, was that necessary? I'm sorry. Oh, my toes are curled. My I hands asked, are shaking. Okay, I asked the wrong questions. <laughs> yeah. So when I found out what the speed of light was, I asked what the speed of dark was. Ooh. So my questions aren't always good. I May, get that. Maybe that's why we do get along. But <laughs> then Mr. Google was born and uh-huh. he became my best friend. But before Mr. Google, there was Troy. And I could ask any questions I want, and he loved it because it made him feel a little safer that I cared enough to ask him about something. And there were times I know that he would speak emphatically about what the answer was, but he didn't really know. (laughs) Okay, we had that happen to us once because Sunday morning we're headed to, to church, four little kids in the back, and somebody asked why the sky was blue. I'm like, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't have any idea. Who do you think would know is where we got to. And they all decided that their pediatrician would know. (laughs) So, Ginger, I called the man on his cell phone (laughs) Sunday morning and said, hey, got you on speakerphone, headed to church. And the kids wanted to know why the sky was blue. And I don't know, but they thought you would. And he went, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. (laughs) And then he came up with enough. I, you know, it sounded good to me. I don't. And everybody went, "There you go." See, I knew he knew everything. So then your Sunday morning started better than they normally do, (laughs) right? I'm sure not everybody had on shoes at that point, and we were already in the car headed to church. so. So you talked about saying the right things and not using the politically correct verbiage, you know. And that I'm totally fine with that. In fact, one of the things that that really immediately puts me on guard is when somebody says, let's unpack this issue. Oh. And I'm right away going, I'm packing. I'm leaving. <laughs> and I'm out the yeah, door. I'm not, I don't want to unpack anything with you. Thank you. I hate, I don't know why it's that expression particularly, but the minute I hear that, I hear, okay, jingoistic, I'm going to get a formula answer just like, you know, it doesn't matter what I say, I've got a pretty good idea what your answer is going to be to that. And so that may not be politically correct, but is that kind of what you're talking about? Yeah, it is. And then, oh gosh. My brain is just gone. <laughs> Did you see it? It just, no, it no. just went out the door. When I asked you where your safe space was. Yes, right? you did it. Um, but, not, not saying things that they would expect to hear. Right. And just being, just being transparent. Well, that's, I have a friend who's very angry with God, and that's what she said to me one day. She said, I am so angry with God. I, went, I get that. Wait, you do? <laughs> I'm angry too. Right. You know, I... And and we're angry about the same thing, grief. You you know, we there's this feeling that when someone dies, that God took them from you. Like, I really did. I hated God for a year. I, I'm very candid about it. The worst year of my life. But but I believe that he took my father from me. I felt like, it's worse than that. I felt like God broke a promise to me. 
And I spent a year being mad at God for breaking a promise he never made to me. Well, and that made me, I want to ask you, where was your faith? Where were you in your faith walk at the time your dad died? Okay. Okay. Now I'm on the spot. That's right. Uh, When, you know, before that, I was very much a believer, a Christian. uh, I was in church. I was doing the right things. I was, you know, and he died and, and I, you know, out of anger, I still believe there was never a point where I went, well, I'm an atheist. You know, I, there was, I know there's a God and I'm mad at him. That's right. how I know. Right. Uh, but I was not going to follow him anymore. I mean, I made the conscious decision. I will not be a believer. I will not accept your mercy. I will not accept your grace. You, you, you lied to me. You took the, the one I love the most. No, I won't. I, that's too heartless. That's too ruthless. I won't be part of that. And now look. At where you are all these years later, (laughs) but that's, that's encouragement for others, James. I'm still angry. And that's what I tell people. God is not scared of me. It doesn't matter (laughs) how angry I get. God has never gone, whoa, calm down there, big boy. It never happens. Be angry. You know, it's passionate, angry people all in the Bible and God loved them. That's okay. You can, he can deal with that. What he doesn't want to deal with is you denying him and, and not having a relationship. It's just like my children. I would rather them tell me what they're angry about than not talk to me because they're angry. Because one of them builds relationship and one of them tears it down. And what God wants from us is a relationship. And if you're mad at him, tell him. That's what I was going to say, too, is that it's a relationship. Mm -hmm. And it's going to continue. You need that relationship so you don't walk away from it completely. You think you have, maybe, but it's still there. And you'll come back to it. Well, you know what brought me back? And what? it was a solid year later. I mean, it was, it was literally a year later. And it was somewhere it occurred to me that my dad did believe. Yeah. And, and my dad died, you know, with Jesus in his heart and serving him with all he could. Right. And if I chose not to accept the salvation that was offered to me, he was going to live for eternity in heaven. And I wasn't. And I was going to give up my last shot at seeing him again. And I couldn't deal with that. No. And so with no grace whatsoever, I came back and said, fine, I'll believe in you. (laughs) But this is the only reason why. (laughs) You know, and he should have zapped me with a lightning bolt and turned me to to carbon by then. But but he didn't. He accepted that. I came with so little grace and he accepted me back and has taught me more and blessed me more and used me more than I ever would have dreamed was possible after that year of just absolute divine hatred on my part but that dark year helped inform who you are now and how you share with others we appreciate how you are so honest about all of that because so many of us are have been in or are in the same situation and so relationship that's the concept and i guess and it's not politically correct what i say to people you can be mad at god that's right that's not politically correct but it's true Yes, because that's a relationship and we have all kinds of emotions. Yes. But it it's also made me realize that that safe place thing is about relationships. Mm-hmm. You have made it okay for it to be a reciprocal thing. Yeah. And after Troy passed, I had so many students with whom I had spent a lot of time just listening who would reach out to me to check on me. Yeah. And that's a healthy relationship. Yeah, sometimes the students become the teachers. Yo, don't they ever. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That is exactly how I've seen it happen. 
So since we, so we've got a safe place, and right. we kind of laid the groundwork for what a listing situation is like. What are some? How do you work on your listing skills? How do you become a better listener? Oh, here's another word I just despise because I've heard it a lot recently. Intentional. Mm-hmm. Be intentional. But it's true. I mean, you have to be aware of what you're doing when you're listening. You can't be making your grocery list in your mind or thinking about what you're fixing for dinner tonight. You know what I've started doing? What? I started saying, would you repeat that? Because I find myself wool gathering or somebody will say one thing and it reminds me of something that I need to deal with in my head. Right. You know, whether it's on my to-do list or I should write that down or what it's. Would you, would you say that again? And that's good. And if they were listening to themselves, they'll say it again. <laughs> and and the, the problem does occur when, what were we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Y'all, full disclosure, we do that here on the podcast. Sometimes yes. we'll, we'll pause with the pause button so we can clear our throats or get a drink of water. And then before I turn it back home, go, what are we talking about? <laughs> and I'm pretty sure there's a way to go back and listen to the last 10 seconds, but I don't know what it is. And we don't want to take any chances. No, no. After last week, I'm not. I'm not risking it. I had, in fact, Joshua was over here this morning setting all this up for me. Thank you, Joshua. Yes. You're welcome. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. And I said, I'm, I'm, I said, all right, I'm just going to turn this off. I went, you know what? I'm not going to touch it. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> we know it works. We're keeping it that That's way. That's right. Leave it alone. And what I'm grateful for is that when we do that and we say, now, what were we talking about? Usually, or so far, one of us will remember <laughs> That's good. Yeah. We have good listening skills one at a time. If we ever had them both at the same time. My first experience with listening skills was in third grade. Oh. Mrs. Shankles. Okay. Was my teacher. uh, And my first poem was that year. You know, Mrs. Shankles, you sure have nice ankles. That's all I come up with. Got a lot of grief about that. Maybe poetry was not for me in third grade. I don't know. You grew into it. Yeah. But she would, we would be, you know, coloring, uh, color by number or something. And she would read us a story. And she, in the middle of the story, she, you know, she would just, like she was reading it off the page, you know, telling a story. And then she'd say, at two o'clock, for those who remember, we're going to make purple cows. And then keep reading. And she meant, you know, cut out cows out of purple construction. Oh, paper. I thought the drink with the ice cream. Yeah, yeah. No, that, I didn't even know what that was. <laughs> okay. And so, and, and at two o'clock, she'd say, okay, if you remember what I said, if you were listening during the story would come up here and whisper in my ear what I said. And I would just rack my brain because I did not remember. I knew it at the time. I heard her say it, and I was going to remember that. You know, now I've learned to write stuff down. But I would try so hard. And the kids that remembered got to go cut out purple cows. And, and, and those who didn't <laughs> learn to listen better the next time. That was, that was my first introduction to maybe the ideal that I wasn't listening all that well. <laughs> and that I should try to. <laughs> There's a difference in listening and hearing. Oh, definitely. You know, and it's that intention kind of thing. So, And the other thing I know is, uh, I don't remember what class I was in. And the teacher said, okay, I'm going to tell you a story and then I'm going to ask you a question. Okay, pretend you're a bus driver on a city bus. And you have to go by the Dallas courthouse because we were, you know, in, in Texas, that's, that was a big place. You, you have to go, you're running that street right there, Commerce Street. And at the first stop, you pick up five people. And at the second top stop, you pick up three people. And at the third stop, you pick up five people. What color are the bus driver's eyes? <laughs> I hate those I, Yeah, and I'm looking around going, 
how in the world would I know what the bus driver's eye color was? And one or two people would raise their hand. I'd yes. think, you liar. Yes. You don't know. You're making that up. You're just trying to impress the teacher. Yeah. And so, and the teacher would, you know, they'd go tell the teacher and the teacher would say yes or no. And, and then they would sit down and look smug or crushed, depending on. And, um, and then the teacher said, all right, I'm going to read it again. And I'm, I'm going to tell you the story again. Now listen. And we're like. I was listening the first time, but now I know the question, right? Unless she changes the question, I know what's going to happen. And she said, pretend you're the bus driver. Oh. "Oh." His eyes are brown, duh, because I'm the bus driver. I was hung up on 13. I was so impressed (laughs) that I could count how many. But I didn't take into account how many might have gotten off. (laughs) I'm just adding, which is not my thing, right? (laughs) That's great. Yeah. But pretend you're the bus driver. What color are your eyes? For those of y'all that are even slower than that, it's your color of eyes because you're the bus driver. Well, in these days, I think we do rush through some things. That's always been a problem for me. Oh, I know that. You know, like that test that right. says yes. read the whole thing yes, and yes, so yes. forth. I, I have had a problem with it, but we're so used to rushing through life and not listening completely. We're so, busy. Well, we're busy. We have so much to do. I mean, there's so Goodness. many requirements anymore. There's so many things you have to do, and there's so many things that a friend of mine posited the theory that, you know, Facebook was down this week oh, for most of the day. yes. And he said that was the most productive he's been at work in months. <laughs> but you know what one of my first thoughts was? Yes, Facebook is a lifeline for me. Mm-hmm. I stay in touch with people. I know where they are. I know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I see beautiful pictures of nature. And my mother-in-law posts pictures of gorgeous birds. And and so it's it's... I, I've really enjoyed it, mm-hmm. especially on your birthday. James, yeah. if we didn't have Facebook, nobody would know we, what birthday we was. wouldn't get all those birthday greetings. But then uh, I also thought, well, how are people going to find the podcast? No. There's no <laughs> Maybe more people went to Spotify or, uh, or, or Google looking for the podcast at that point. So. And then I saw your post about getting actual addresses yeah. and phone numbers. And maybe that's something we should do yeah. because we don't know. Well, we don't right. know. You know, and I have uh, I had a friend whose daughter was having surgery. And we mostly correspond through Facebook. Right. But I sent a text. I'm still praying. Yeah. You know, and, and I've got a little... A, a prayer group on Facebook that I take all of my, you know, the things that you can't tell about, but have to be prayed about. I take it to this close group of fierce prayer warriors. Right. And, and also, you know, when I'm angry about something or feeling <laughs> particularly snarky, things you can't say in public, you can say to this group of people and they're also snarky. So they don't judge you for that. But, um, but we all exchanged phone and email. Because, yeah. you know, we, how long is this going to last? And I know a lot of people that said that. It's, it's a way to stay in touch. But but it's also a way of listening. It's a way of confirming. Oh, you're so important to me. Here's my phone number. Because I want you to be able to get in touch with me. Or here's my email. Because I really want you to be able to reach out. I don't want you to think I'm not praying for you just because I can't tell you so. You know. Because we do that. When you get cut off, right, you start wondering, is anyone thinking about Oh, me? please don't even go there with me right now. <laughs> it, 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 and my sister will say, you know, Ginger, you could call them. Yeah. But no, let me just sit here and have a little pity party <laughs> because no one's calling me. They must think that I'm fine. And so they don't need to check on me. That's not true. No, no, it's not. Well, and, and you know, I have a friend that uh, I sent a just sent her a note yesterday and said, I'm praying for you. And this is exactly what I'm praying. And I know a little bit about her situation, not much, but this is what I'm praying about. 
And she sent me one back and she said, you know, uh, I pray for you too. And I don't know the details, but God does. Oh, yeah. And I thought, you know, that's a remarkable amount of maturity mm-hmm. to know that there, one, other people have problems is maturity. God knows the problems and he's dealing with them. And then you just have to pray about it. And, hey, you did it. And that's so valuable. And then letting people know you're doing that is also valuable. It is. It is. It's a comfort knowing. It is. That's well, true. and I tell people all the time, if you're listening to this podcast, I pray about you. And that may annoy you. <laughs> you may love it. I you may know. not want to be prayed <laughs> <No>. for. <laughs> Doesn't do any good anyway. No, but you, but you know where it, you know where I'm coming from on that. You know my heart on that. I I pray for you because I think it's the the best thing I can do for you. I love you. That's why I do it. Right. So, but yeah, it's uh, listening. Uh, obviously, it's important because you're listening to the podcast right now. So we're very happy to do that. We're happy to listen to you. I loved the text that we got from uh, Heather about her sister listening and you know it was so encouraging you don't even know the impact you're having on these people and mm-hmm. and she's an encourager yeah anyway. she is no question i have to tell the story of the day i put her on the spot sometime because boy i did and she responded like the hero that she is but <laughs> we know some good people we really do i've been recently going through file folders of my mother and dad's and and there were letters written to mother and daddy about what they meant to these young people in their chapel choir in San Antonio. That was a very special time. Yeah. And then from young ministers who had followed by example. And y'all write a postcard. <laughs> write a <laughs> I'm letter. I'm a big fan of postcards. <laughs> oh, and let me just say, some of y'all have asked me for a postcard and don't have one yet. I haven't forgotten you. I hurt my arm and couldn't write for about the last three months. And so I'm three months behind on everything else as well. But I have postcards and I'm going to write you one. But it wasn't from falling off a ladder, right? It was not. No, I'm not (laughs) allowed to get on ladders. So so that couldn't be at all. (laughs) But it's those comments, those follow-ups. And with the people you're listening to in your safe place, you see them later, you just smile, and they know mm-hmm. that it's because of what you've shared with each other right. and that they are loved. Right, so. and they're not going to blurt it out. No. We took one of our kids to a counselor for a couple of years, and, well, forever, but this, this man a couple of years, and, and I saw him out in public, and, and, and I couldn't get his attention. And finally, I just walked up to him and said, hey, how are you? He said, oh, hi. And I didn't know if you wanted you know, anybody that knew right. we knew each other because everybody knows I'm a counselor and I didn't want to, you know, he, he just didn't want to presume. I'm like, dude, we're friends. <laughs> so <laughs> I want you to always be happy to see me because I'm always happy to see you. And he went, wow, thank you. Because, you know, he has the same insecurities that everyone else does. And that's the truth. Yeah. We all do. So if you feel like nobody remembers you, let me just tell you, you're wrong because mm-hmm. I remember you. And if you think that nobody cares, you're wrong because I care. And, and it's true. And even when you don't feel like it, that's an emotion. And I'm really, really glad that you can feel those emotions because you feel them big. And I know that, but that means you're going to feel the joys big when they come too, because they're coming. They really are. And I know that because I really do believe that the best is yet to come.